you are in the right place. Of all the places that you could be, you're in the right place. How many know there's some places you can go, it's the wrong place? You can find yourself in the wrong place at the wrong time. You don't even need to go there. You need to be in the right place. And as we begin this new year, the Lord put this message in my spirit several months ago. I'd had it kind of written down and I brought it out, tweaked it and added a few things. And I'm going to try to squeeze all of them in today. But today is a message of basics. Sometimes we need to be reminded of the basics. We need to return to foundation scriptures. We need to go back to the word of God. We need to realize that this word is powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword. And if we will build our life on this word, if this is our foundation, then nothing is too difficult for us. As a matter of fact, in my, one of my favorite scriptures in Mark says, If you can believe, all things are possible if you only believe. There are a lot of counterfeits in the world. There is what we call now virtual reality. Let me translate that. It ain't real. It's virtually real, but it's not real. And there are a lot of things in, world, in our world, in life today, that it's just a virtual reality. And then on top of that, there are a lot of things that are not even virtually real. They're counterfeits. Let me translate. They're fake. We buy margarine at the store. I don't. It's fake butter. It's not really butter. It's fake. There are people that will pass counterfeit money if they can. If they can print it. You know, people just continually look for ways to, to, to scam. If people would spend as much time and energy on doing legitimate business as they do on coming up with a way to scam you, to cheat you, they would be successful. We watch movies. In movies, they're okay. They're entertainment. I understand that. But most of the things that you see in there, unless it's a true story being reenacted, most of those things, they're, they're, it's not real. It's Hollywood. Bollywood, as somebody said. But there's a lot of things that are not real that some people perceive in their life. Oh, this is real. No, no. Ghosts are not real. Oh, I just messed up somebody's theology right there. No. Ghosts are not real. The ghost of a deceased person, that's not real. Now, what is real is demons. There is such a thing as demons. You know what a demon is? A demon is a fallen angel. A demon was created as a messenger of God, as an angel, to do good things, and one-third of them fell, or really they were cast out of heaven, when Satan, when Lucifer, who was, some theologians think he was the minister of music in heaven, but he was one of the three, one-third of the followers of the other angels, I guess it followed him, they went they, they were cast out of heaven, and they fell with him. That's not me. 
And they say, some people say that when he fell, he fell right into the sound booth or the music loft. <laughs> no offense, Rob. <laughs> I, I vehemently disagree with my mentor, my pastor, my father-in-law, who for many years discipled me and helped me become a lot of what I am today because of him and Pastor O. Um, but he, would used, he used to say that when we had technology problems, that the devil had nothing to do with that. It was just technology. I disagree. I disagree with him. He's gone on to be with the Lord, and now he knows better. <laughs> Mermaids are not real. There's not a parallel universe. Oh, it got quiet on that one. You know, kids, before they turn 18, they think if they could get in a club, they, they make fake IDs. Most of the time, the people looking at those and looking at them, and look, they know. It's fake. It's not real. Get out of here. You don't belong here anyway. Not now, not later. <clears throat> we give our kids little toy cars and little toy airplanes. They're not real. They are a facsimile of the real thing, but they're not real. Dogs don't talk for you dog lovers. Oh, I know they wag their tail. They communicate to you. Maybe they can communicate. I don't disagree with that. But they don't talk like you and me. Dogs and cats, Mr. Ed was not really a talking horse. A horse is a horse, of course, of course. Some of y'all too young, you don't remember. Now, there was, there was one talking animal in the Bible. He belonged to Balaam. Balaam used to ride him. He was not a horse. He was a donkey. You thought I'd say something else, didn't you? I'm trying to be nice. It's the new year. And God... God calls Balaam's donkey to talk. And I'll preach that message for you sometime. And the donkey said to Balaam, it's in the Bible, why are you beating me these three times? Have not I always been faithful to you? Balaam was beating him because he wouldn't go forward and do what he was not supposed to do. The donkey knew he wasn't supposed to do that. Maybe I'm standing in the wrong spot. I don't know. Maybe I was standing on the devil's head right there. I don't know. But there are a lot of fake things that are just not real. I don't have time to, to go over all of them. These are just a few examples. But there are plenty of things in life that are not real. We need discernment to know what's real. You have to know what's real and what's not real. When you get a report from the doctor, they're practicing. And they're practicing on you. And they're not the final say. I need to say that about 50 times. They're not the final say. 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 They don't really know. By experience, they may say, well, this is the way it's going to go. But they don't know. Because we know what's real. We know who the healer is. We know who the miracle worker is. We know that God is still God. 
So today I just want to quickly run you through a few things that are real. I want to give you some basics. I want us to return to the basic foundation of the B-I-B-L-E. That's the book for me. I want us to return to the basic foundation as we launch this new year. So that as we go through the year, we remember what's really real. First of all, God is real. My God is real. I know He is real. I know from experience. I know from the Word of God. I know from history. We know that God is real. And Hebrews eleven six 6 says, He who comes to God must believe that God is. So if we build our foundation on the Bible, on the Word of God, then we cannot doubt that there is a God. There are no atheists in foxholes. And there will be none in hell. I got that from my friend Beaver. He said there'll be no atheists in hell. No, they will have already bowed. The Bible says every knee shall bow, every tongue shall confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. But for the very basic foundation of the Bible the principles of Christianity, we have to believe that God is. So I came to tell you today, if you've, if you've doubted, if you've wondered, where is God? Is there a God? Because I know there are times that we pray and it doesn't happen just like we want on our schedule. And we think God must be in Latin America helping Mike Patton today. He, he, he could have showed up here. Or maybe he's in Africa helping Pastor Wilfred Lyle or Robert Kayanja or some of my friends over in Africa, Peter Wafula, some of those folks. Maybe he's there helping them because, God, you missed a good chance to show up today. No, no, no. God's timing is perfect. He's everywhere. He's omnipresent. He's real. He is an ever-present help in the time of need. God is real. My God is real. And if you're going to make it successfully in life, you need to return to the basic foundation. My God is real. For I can feel Him in my soul. My God is real. And Jesus is real. Now, we believe in one God, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. He exists in three persons, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Ghost. We were talking about this week, that this week in Josiah, my grandson came by, and he said, well, help me to understand that. So there's three gods? I said, no, there's one God. And for an eight-year-old who just turned nine yesterday, or Thursday, he's trying to figure that out. So I explained it to him like this. I said, if you have an orange... And you take the peeling off and you put it over here to the side. And then you take the meat and you cut it out and you put it over here. And then you take the seeds that are left and you put those in the middle. All three components make up the orange. The peeling. If you look at it, you know that's, that's orange peel. But it's not the whole thing. You may not be able to look at the seeds and determine those seeds specifically different than other seeds, but if you plant one, it's going gonna, it's gonna to yield oranges. And when you eat it, you taste it, you know, this is an orange. And when you put it together, it's an orange. When you separate it, it's still an orange. And we believe in one God that exists in three persons, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Ghost. All three are one, one God. Not three gods, one God. And there are many names for the name of God. 
I don't have time to teach you all the names of God, but there's Jehovah Jireh, Jehovah Shalom, Jehovah Sadeh, our righteousness, Jehovah Shalom, the Lord our peace, Jehovah Jireh, God will provide. He's all of that. And those names all just break down a portion of who he is in his character. He is an amazing God. He's the creator of the universe. He's the Alpha, the Omega, the first, the last, the beginning and the end. He which was and is and is to come. He's the bridge, the bridegroom. He's the chief cornerstone. He's the door. He's everything to us. Jesus is real. In John 1, it says, in the beginning was the Word. The Word was God. Before anything else existed, there was Jesus Christ with God. He has always been alive, and He is Himself God. He created everything there is. Nothing exists that He did not make. Eternal life is in Him. And this life, this life gives light to all mankind. His life is the light that shines through the darkness. And the darkness, as they sang earlier, can never extinguish the light. He is the light. He is the Word. Jesus is the Word. The Word is God. And everything we have, everything was created by Him and for Him. John 1. You need to read it. You need to study it. So we know that my God is real. My Jesus is real. And Jesus came to the earth as God, robed in human flesh. You know the story. He came. He was conceived of the Holy Ghost. He's next. And he was born of the Virgin Mary. And he lived as a man on this earth when he became around 30 years old. His earthly ministry began. Even though I told you two weeks ago when he was 12, he stood in the temple and he began to teach the chief scholars and theologians there of that day. And I liked, I liked what we talked about that day. If the theologian had said, son, how old are you? He could say, well, it is true. On my mother's side, I'm 12 years old. But on my father's side, I'm the chief cornerstone from the foundation of the earth. On my mother's side, I have to drink water to live. But on my father's side, I am the water of life. Come on, somebody. I need to tell you, my God is real and Jesus is real. And today he is at the right hand of the Father ever making intercession for us. He's there now. When we call on him, we call on him, we call on the Father in the name of Jesus. And he is there interceding for us. We have access. Oh, you didn't hear me. I said we have access to Jesus. We have access to God the Father through Jesus Christ the Son. And he is making intercession for us. My God is real and Jesus is real and we don't need to ever forget it. He's omnipresent God. He knows all things. He is everywhere. He is omnipotent. He is all-powerful. Whatever you need, he is. He is God. And then the Holy Ghost is real. Sophisticated folks call him the Holy Spirit. Folks that have been in the trench, on the battlefield, on the first line, front line, we call him the Holy Ghost. Matthew 12, 32. Anyone who speaks a word against the Son of Man, Jesus, it will be forgiven him. But whoever speaks against the Holy Spirit, the Holy Ghost. It's blasphemy. It's blaspheming the Holy Ghost. 
it will not be forgiven him, either in this age or in the age to come. Blasphemy of the Holy Ghost, attributing the works of God and the works of the Holy Spirit to the devil, denying the Holy Spirit, denying that he is real, that he is who he says he is. That's blasphemy against the Holy Ghost. That is the one unpardonable sin. So evidently, we don't need to blaspheme the Holy Ghost. And it would be very difficult to do that for most of us. I would say that the ones that have, it's very few. I heard an Assembly of God pastor a number of years ago on television. He had backslidden, turned away from God, turned away from the church, walked away from his ministry, and he attributed the works of God, the works of the Holy Spirit to the devil. He blasphemed the Holy Ghost. There's no hope. There's no coming back when you blaspheme the Holy Ghost. The Holy Ghost is real. Jesus said when he was getting ready to leave this earth, he said, I'm going away. I'm going to my father's house. In my father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go away, I will come again and receive you unto myself that where I am, there you may be also. Where I go and the way I go, you know. And one of the disciples said, we don't know. He said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. I am the way. Follow me. And then Jesus said this, I'm going away, but I'm not going to leave you without a comforter. I'm going to send to you another comforter. Even the Holy Ghost, he shall be with you and he shall be in you. And he said, go to Jerusalem and wait. Go tarry until you be endued from power, with power from on high. Until you receive the outpouring, the baptism of the Holy Ghost. And there were 120 gathered in that upper room on that day. And the Bible says they were all in one mind and one accord. What would happen if we could all get in one mind and one accord? What would God do if we could just get our mind together and get our spirits together and get focused on Him and drop our own agenda? When it happened, the Bible says the Holy Spirit was poured out, the Holy Ghost was poured out, and they began to speak in other tongues as the Holy Ghost gave the utterance. They spoke in an unknown tongue. They spoke in unknown language. And Simon Peter, who just not too many days before that, had denied Jesus. But he got it together. And he was in one mind and one accord with the other 119. He came down the steps out of that upper room speaking in an unknown tongue. Speaking in tongues. Preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ. And the people that were there that day were from many nations, many places. And they said, what is he doing? Has he lost his mind? Who is this guy? And he said, no, no. He said, we've just been filled with the Holy Ghost. They said, well, you must be drunk. He said, oh, no. I may be drunk, but not like you think. I'm not drunk on the fake, the counterfeit spirits. I'm not drinking something out of the bottle trying to get what's happening on the inside of me. I got the real thing. 
See, people today, they're trying to find it, and they try to get it out of the bottle. The, why do you think they call it spirits over the stores where they sell it? Spirits. That's not spirits that you want to get, folks. It's not a holy spirit. It's an unholy spirit. What you get out of the bottle is an unholy spirit. What you get from heaven is the Holy Spirit. You need to have discernment and know the difference between the two. Why would you want the fake when you can have the real? Why would you want the unholy when you can have the holy? I'm preaching better than you're shouting. He said, I'm not drunk as you suppose, seeing it's just 9 o'clock in the morning. This is that. Somebody say, this is that. Simon Peter said, this is that which was spoken of by the prophet Joel. In the last days, I will pour out of my spirit on all flesh. Sons and daughters will prophesy. Somebody say, prophesy. Old men will dream dreams. Young men will see visions. And on my servants and my handmaids, I will pour out of my spirit in those last days. That's what is happening on planet earth right now. The Holy Ghost is being poured out. Revival is being poured out. The remnant is being raised up. I need to remind you my God is real Jesus is real and the Holy Ghost is real I don't even have time to talk to you about the works of God the Father the works of Jesus and the works of the Holy Ghost I'm just trying to give you a foundation as we start the new year let me tell you my God's word is real this is real this is not a fiction book full of stories Full of Old Testament historical stories with no, with no relevance. That's not what this book is. This book is alive. When you read this book, it is alive. It comes alive. His word comes off the pages. And when you begin to read it and dig into it, it is the most powerful book that has ever been written. It is still the number one best-selling book of all times. Do not forget that. And this word is literally the living word of Jesus Christ. Jesus is the word, and the word is Jesus. John 17, Jesus said himself, sanctify them in truth. Sanctify them through your word. Your word is truth. This word is true. It's real. You don't have to read it and say, well, I wonder if that happened. It, if it's in here, it did. And it's still happening. I would encourage you this month to read the book of Acts. You know, Acts is really just shortened. It's really the book of action. You want to see some action? Read the book of action. Read the book of Acts and see the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. Five times in the book, they were baptized in the Holy Ghost and spoke in other tongues. I heard somebody said, well, I don't know if that's for today. It was just to get the early church started. We need more help getting the church started today than they ever, we ever have. Because in a lot of places, it's come to a stop. I probably shouldn't say this, but I will, because we're talking about what's real today. There are a lot of churches that are in existence today. They're not real. They don't have the real outpouring of the Holy Ghost. They don't have the real power of God operating. They're going through motions. They're a coffee club. They just gather to drink a little coffee on Sunday morning. And it's all about coffee. It's all about fellowship. Well, there is fellowship. We like to drink coffee. But that's not what it's all about. It's about my God is real. My Jesus is real. 
My Holy Ghost is real, and the Word of God is real. You can believe everything in this book, from Genesis to Revelation. You can believe it. As a matter of fact, you better believe it. You need to read it. That's a novel idea. Some people think that they're going to get it just by holding it up to their head. Osmosis. Oh, if I could just, I hold, oh, did you feel that? Oh, that, that's good. No, you got to read it. But if you will read it, I promise it will change your life. His word is real. I wish I had time. Maybe I need to come back and just do a series and take every one of these and let's talk about it. His word is real. His word will transform your life. His word is powerful. His word is truth. His word is alive. Prayer is real. It's not just some exercise that Christians do. It's not just something we do to go through the motions. It's not ceremony and ritual. It's not just something we perform as an exercise because somebody before us did that. You know, a lot of traditions people have, they, they don't even know why they do it. They do it because somebody else before them did it. So they think, well, that's, we should do that. They don't even know why. But prayer is real. Prayer changes things. Prayer takes you from where you are into the presence of God. Prayer transcends distance. You can pray for somebody in another country. We just prayed for Mike Patton in Honduras. We talked to the God of the universe about Mike and said, protect him, keep him, anoint him, increase him, open new doors. And the prayers that we prayed make a difference. I learned a long time ago, you better pray. You may not do a lot of things, but you better pray. You better pray and you better pay your tithe. Those are two things you better do. But when you pray, you're in a covenant relationship with the God of the universe. You're in a covenant relationship with the Creator. And when you talk to Him, you have access to the King of the universe. Why would you not want to talk to Him? You want to go talk to the president. You want to talk to the mayor. You want to talk to the business owner. You want to talk to the top person when you're going to buy something, when you're dealing with somebody, when you're making a deal. Why would you not want to just go around them? Just go over the head of the boss. Go ahead. Go over the head of the president. Go over the head of the governor. Go over the head of whoever you've got to deal with and talk to God. You have that privilege. You have that access. And yet, the average pastor only prays 90 seconds a day. The average church member prays about 37 seconds a day. Who wants to preach now? Because I've killed it. It is quiet now. Psalm 66, 19. But truly, somebody say it's true. But truly God has listened and he has attended to the voice of my prayer. Doesn't matter who you are, he will hear your prayer. Now, you need to be saved first because he's not obligated to hear the prayers of unsaved people. He hears it all. But he's not obligated to respond in any way if you're not in a relationship with him. So you can pray, 
if you're not saved. And unless you're calling on him and crying out for salvation, he's not obligated to hear you. He hears everything because he's omnipresent. He's all-knowing. He's all-hearing. He's all-seeing. He's all-powerful. He's the omni-God. But unless you're in a relationship with him, your access is limited to the cry of salvation. Does that make sense? You understand that? But if you've repented and you've said, Jesus, forgive me of my sins. Come into my heart. Be the Lord of my life. I need you. I want all you have. Then when you pray, he attends to the voice of your prayer. If your baby's sick, pray. God will save and heal your baby. If your baby's lost and out on drugs and strung out and away from God, pray. And God will send the angels after him. The Holy Spirit power to convict him and bring him back where he should be. Your Bible says, train up a, way, a child in the way they should go. When they're old, they will not depart from it. They may sow wild oats for a while. They may lose their mind and do stupid for a while. But if you train them right and put the word of God in them, they'll come back. They'll get back on track. They'll do right. They'll, re, they'll be restored. They will return. Prayer is real. Prayer works. i got to move home. Faith is real. It's not the figment of our imagination. Faith is real. Hebrews 11.1. 1, faith shows the reality of what we hope for. It is the evidence. Faith is the evidence. Get that in your spirit. Faith is the evidence of things that we cannot do not see. It's in your spirit. It's an invisible thing. But we have faith. Faith comes three ways. You were born. God dealt you a measure of faith. When you came into existence, when you were created, when you were conceived, God dealt you a measure of faith. And then faith comes by hearing, hearing by the word of God. And then when you get around people of faith, Romans 1, Paul said, or Romans 12, 1, he said, I have dealt to you a measure of faith. And Paul said, I long to come to you that I might impart to you some spiritual gift that you and I might be encouraged together. That is faith. So you can get around people of faith, it'll get off on you. Faith is real. When you hang around people of faith and you watch them operate, your belief system increases. It raises. It goes up. Faith is real. Miracle power is real. He is still in the miracle business. Deuteronomy 10, 21. He is the one you should praise. He is your God. With your own eyes, you saw the great and wonderful miracles he did for you. God is still in the miracle business. How many have had a miracle in the last 12 months? How many have had one in the last 12 days? Look around. Hold your hands up. In the last 12 days, there are people all over this room that have experienced miracle power of God. He is still a miracle-working Jesus. Miracles are real. You know what a miracle is? A miracle is something that cannot be explained any other way. That's a miracle. You know, we say a lot of things, oh, that's a miracle. And it's really not. It's not, it's not really a miracle. If you get Uncle Joe to come to church and he never been in church in 40 years, and you say, it's a miracle. No, that's probably not a miracle. We could, we could go to his house, wrap him up with duct tape, and bring him over here. And that wouldn't be a miracle, but it would get him in the house. 
You understand? A miracle is something that cannot be explained any other way. Worship is real. It's real. It takes us into the presence of God. He said, if I be lifted up, I'll draw men unto me. He said, if you praise me, he said, if you don't praise me, the rocks will cry out. But he said, if you'll praise me, he said, I am in the midst of you. I will inhabit the praises of my people. So when we worship him, something happens. We're not just singing. You know, people, people sing different kinds of music. They go different places and they, worship, or they, they sing, they sing songs, they write songs. And it can be good, it can sound good, but it's not worship. Worship is different. Worship is real. Worship is powerful. Worship is, when this team sings, we're not supposed to be singing to you. Now, we want it to sound good, but we're not singing to you. We're singing to him. You're not the audience for worshipers. We're all worshipers. And this team sings and leads us into his presence. We are worshiping him. Does that make sense? John 4, 23 and 24. A time will come. However, indeed, it is already here. Somebody say now. now. When the true, genuine worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth or in reality. For the Father is seeking just such people as these, as his worshipers. Why? Because God is a spirit, a spiritual being. And those who worship him must worship him also in spirit and in truth, in reality. So our worship to him, it's real. It penetrates the darkness. Your worship penetrates the darkness. Your worship penetrates the pain. Your worship penetrates the circumstances. Your worship penetrates the fear. Your worship penetrates the doubt. Your worship penetrates the circumstances that you are dealing with. And it takes you into the presence of the Almighty God. Worship is real. Worship is a gift of God for us. There's a place called heaven, it's real. It's not just a place that you dream about, that you talk about. Now, listen very carefully. What I'm about to say is truth, and it may mess up some of your theologies. Not everybody is going to heaven. Everybody is not going to heaven. There are some folks that have died, they didn't go to heaven. Oh, it's quiet now. Because I know preachers all over the country and all around the world have funerals and they preach everybody in. And we say stupid things. Like, God needed another flower for his garden. And we try to explain why somebody died. You know it's the truth. Everybody's not going to heaven. Everybody can. If you want to go, you can go. It's not too hard to get there. All you have to do is you turn right and go straight. It's just that simple. Turn right. Everybody know which way is right? Hold up your right hand. You, you turn right. 
And then you just go straight. And that'll get you there. But you do have to turn right and you do have to go straight. But see, some folks, they, they want to hang on the edge. They want to see how close they can get to the edge without falling into hell. They just dangle themselves over hell. Thinking that they can hold on and jump back. No, 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 no. Turn right and go straight. It's just that simple. Next time somebody's having problems and they come to you for counseling, just say, well, here's what you do. Turn right and go straight. And they'll say, what do you mean? (laughs) Then you can explain it to them. Heaven is real, and when you become a Christian, I want you to get this. I want you to get this scripture. We gave this to the School of Roar a few weeks ago. I want you to get this scripture. As a matter of fact, speaking of the School of Roar, let me just make a commercial. We start back on the 17th for the School of Roar. If you or anybody you know, any family, any friend, any neighbor, any coworker, anybody you know, thinks, well, maybe just somehow, maybe I ought to be there, maybe I could check it out. On the 17th, anybody that wants to check it out without registering, you can check it out. You can come to the class in person. You can tune in online. We're going to make it available on the website, myroar.org. You can tune in and you can watch it live and think and check it out and see if maybe you need to be a part of it or you can be there in person. But I can already tell you, if you're thinking that way, you don't even need to wait. You need to go ahead and register and get in. If you're thinking about it, if it's, if it's on your mind, if it's a consideration, yes, you need to go ahead and register and be a part of the school of roar. But Philippians 3.20 says this. If you're, if you're a Christian, if you've already gotten saved, if you've already made the right-hand turn, and now you're starting to go straight, we are citizens of heaven. You're already a citizen of heaven. You're not living there yet. But watch this. We are citizens of heaven. Christ, the one who saves from the punishment of sin, will be coming down from heaven again. We are waiting for him to return. He will change these bodies of ours of the earth and make them new. He will make them like his body of shining greatness. He has the power to do this because he can make all things obey him. So we are already citizens of heaven. We're living on earth, but we're citizens of heaven. And when you understand that you now, as a citizen of heaven, have the rights and the privileges of the citizens of heaven, and you understand the power of this word, which is real, you begin to operate in a different way. We begin to operate under, don't miss this now, we begin to operate under kingdom principles instead of earthly principles. And in Genesis chapter 1, he gave us dominion, authority over the birds of the air, the beasts of the field, the fish of the sea, over every living thing. And he said, have dominion. 
and subdue. So we have that, and when we become citizens of heaven, we operate in a different way. We see things in a different way. We begin to see prophetically. We begin to hear prophetically. We begin to speak prophetically. We begin to have discernment like we've never had before. I don't even have time to preach this. Heaven is real. And if heaven is real, then hell is real. The stats show that something like 97% of the world believes heaven is real. Almost everybody. But it also shows that only something like 12 or 15% believe that hell is real. Nobody believes that it's real. But it's real. It was created for the demons. For the disobedient demons, the fallen angels. But the Bible says it has enlarged itself. And the Bible says straight is the way. Turn right and go straight. Straight is the way. And narrow is the gate that leads to heaven. And few there be that find it. But wide is the way. Broad is the way to destruction. Revelation 21.8. But the, the fearful, the cowardly. The unbelieving, the abominable, the murderers, the sexually immoral, the sorcerers, the idolaters shall have their part. Did I miss something? Shall have their part. Oh, did I miss that? Let's start again. The cowardly, people that are afraid, he puts them in the same category with unbelievers. That's why he said, fear not. That's why 365 times in the Bible, he says, fear not or don't be afraid. One for every day of the year. Don't be afraid. Fear not. Then he said, God has not given us a spirit of fear, but power, love, and a sound mind. So if you have any fear in you at all, it is not of God. Get rid of it. Refuse it. Throw it away. Cast it down. Kick it out. Tell it, go in Jesus' name. I will not be afraid. You don't have to be afraid. God has not given us a spirit of fear. Where does fear come from? The devil. This word is amazing. The word of God is amazing. So the cowardly, the fearful, and people that don't even believe, unbelievers, and the abominable, people that act like hellions all the time, murderers, people that kill other people, sexually immoral people, perverted people, sorcerers, people that are involved in witchcraft, People that are worshiping idols, idolaters, and people that tell little bitty teeny weeny white lies. Did I hit everybody then? I'm shooting at everybody. I hope I hit somebody. All liars. Read that. It's in the book. All liars shall have their part in the lake of fire which is hell, which burns with fire and brimstone. Another verse talks about sulfur, which is the second death. And it'll be dark there. There'll be no light there. You say, well, there's fire. Uh-huh. He take, he's going to take the light out. He created the fire and put the light in it. He can create the fire and take the light out. You won't be able to see your hand in front of your face. But you'll burn with passion of the things that you lusted after in life for eternity. 
Hell is real. We don't preach about hell much. People don't preach about hell much anymore. That's why nobody believes in it. And we say, well, why would a good God send people to hell? He doesn't send you hell. He created heaven for you. But your choices. If you get on a ship to cross the ocean and the ship goes down and God sends somebody with a lifeboat and you refuse it, you're going to blame him for not saving you? He sent Jesus to save us. This needs to be a whole series. I, I, can't, I can't get it all out. Satan is real. <laughs> He's not what you think he is. He's not as big and bad as you think he is. But he is real. He doesn't have the, the power that you think he does. Matter of fact, my Bible says he has disarmed <laughs> The principalities and powers. So the weapons that they have, they're fake. They're not real. He convinces you that he has these powers. He convinces you in your mind. See, the, the mind is the battleground. And he uses fear and lies and temptations and a host of other bags tricks in his bag to convince you to go in the wrong direction it's just simple you turn right you go straight I need to write a book called turn right and go straight first Peter 5 verse 8 be sober <laughs> we could preach on that a while couldn't we for all you sipping saints <laughs> You need to be sober. Huh? Be sober. Wake up. Be alert. Because the opposite of sober is intoxicated. When you are intoxicated, you don't think as clear. You don't speak as clear. All of your reactions and responses are not what they should be. They're all dulled. All your senses are dulled. So when it comes to making it to heaven, you need to be sober. You need to be awake. You need to be alert. You need to be aware of everything going on around you in your world. Be sober. Then he said, be vigilant because your adversary, your enemy, the devil, walks about like, he's a fake, like a roaring lion. He's not a lion. Again, he's counterfeit. He's faking it. He's an imitation. He's not the real deal. He walks around like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. I need to tell you, there's only one lion of the tribe of Judah. His roar is real. His power is real. His anointing is real. He is who he says he is. Satan is real, but he's a fake. He's a counterfeit. He's a created being, created by the one true God as an angel. But he sinned, he rebelled, and he fell, and he was cast out. His season is almost up. 
Salvation is real. You really can be saved. You really can have a right relationship with God. Listen to this. You really can know that you know that you know in your spirit, man, that things are right with God. And you can know when they're not. You don't have to wander around, walk around wondering, well, I hope I go to heaven. I hope I've done everything I should do. No, you don't have to do that. You can know. We used to knock on doors and invite people to get saved. And I, I remember I was in Birmingham, Alabama one day, and I was knocking on doors, and I ran into this man, and I went through the little speech that we do, and, and he said, well, I don't think you can really know that you can be saved. And so I began to talk to him, and, and I'm praying in the Holy Spirit under my breath. Every time he's talking, I'm just praying. In just a few moments, he cracked. He opened the door, and I prayed with him. And he received Jesus as his personal Savior. And when I left there, he knew that he knew that he knew. He was saved. 1 John 1, 9 says it like this. If we confess our sins, the ones you know about and the ones you don't know about. It. Of course, most of the time you know. If you sin, you know. Your head's with you most of the time during the day. And so you know if you sin. You know if you lie. You know if you hurt somebody. You know if you murder somebody you know if you commit adultery oh it's quiet now no you know when you sin so if we confess our sins god who is real is faithful and just to forgive us and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness it's real simple confess and he comes into your heart turn right go straight salvation is real Eternity is real, folks. What if there was no heaven, there was no hell, there was no eternity? What if this was it? Living for Him is the best way, even if there were no heaven, even if there was no eternity. Christians get along better. They connect with people and get along better. When you forgive somebody, the bitterness goes away. You can keep living. If you live the lifestyle that is not of God from the Word as a Christian, you got trouble all the time. There's always a problem. But when you live for Him according to the principles in the book, your life is better. You get along better. But we have the assurance that there is a heaven. And it is for eternity. Matthew 25, 46 says, Then, after it's all said and done, after we die, after judgment, the white throne judgment, the rapture, the tribulation, the thousand-year reign, the white throne judgment, every knee shall bow, every tongue shall confess Jesus Christ is Lord. After all of that, then eternity starts. Then these evil people, they will go away to be punished forever. Where? Hell. Where? Hell. But the godly people, look at your neighbor and say, that's us. We will go and enjoy eternal life. We're going to live somewhere, folks, forever and ever 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 and ever. Then it's just starting.
So here's the fact. I want you to get this in your spirit. 1 John 2, 27. As for you. Pat yourself on the chest. Say, that's me. As for you. The anointing you received from God remains in you. That anointing is real. It's not counterfeit. But you have to turn right and go straight. You have to remain in Him. You have to continue in covenant with Him. As for you, the anointing you received is from Him. And it remains in you. That anointing is real. It's not counterfeit. Remain in Him.